யோ பிரம்மாணம் விததாதி பூர்வம் யோ வை வேதாம்ச பிரஹிணோதி தஸ்மை தம்ஹதேவம் ஆத்மபுத்தி பிரகாஷம் முமுக்ஷோர்வை ஷரணமகம் பிரபத்தி he who at the beginning of the creation projected brahma that's the universal consciousness and who delivered the vedas unto him seeking liberation i go for refuge and to that effulgent one whose light turns the understanding towards the atman we have been discussing for a couple of months exclusively about spiritual life the solution for the problems of life we discussed and found that there are there is a solution which is not found within the ego bound universe or ego bound life in order to get a solution we need to transcend the ego this is the final verdict of all the spiritual teachers the world has produced there might be some solution but they are not perfect the partial is like a person carrying a heavy load on the head might shift it on his shoulder and get a bit of relief but the burden is still there so no solution is perfect in the ego bound life so in order to get a proper solution true permanent ever satisfying solution we need to transcend this is the verdict and we studied about the ideal in that case we need to have some ideal so what are that ideals and i discussed with you about the triangle of reality reality being one angle god one the soul one the world these three form the ultimate reality so our concept of god depends upon ourselves and our relationship with the world depends upon our concept of ourself plus our idea about god so all these are interrelated now when we have understood the basic principles of the ideals now we try to put it into practice so that is what is called a spiritual life you might be wondering we have been following spiritual life all these years and what's there to be told of it's true there's nothing much to be told but yet there are something to be told so we will just have a complete birds eye view of what spiritual practice means its scope and its definition at the outset swami ji says no man is born to in a religion he has a religion in his own soul so everyone has his own spiritual path in the depths of one's own consciousness but due to darkness of ignorance we don't recognize it instead we search for some solution for the practices in the books and in the external practices no doubt we do get some information from them but information 
is not the real it just might hint something you might get a hint but that's not the path the path is within that has to be first discovered and in spiritual life there is no such thing called as imitation and you can't imitate anybody are somebody's path is not your path again i quote swami ji each one has a special nature peculiar to himself when he must which he must follow and through which he will find his way to freedom you should never try to follow another's path for that is his not yours when that path is found you have nothing to do but just fold your arms and the tide will carry you to freedom therefore when you find yours never deviate from it it happens somebody's path might look very glamorous ah how wonderful if i can discuss whole day and night about gnana drigandrishya wonderful it true but that is somebody's path it's not mine we have seen shri ramakrishna's disciple he had 16 disciples for none he chalked out the same path everyone he instructed according to his evolution his orientation his makeup of mind all that you all remember the incident of course it was not that swami ji wanted to impart his knowledge or anything we rem- remember in swami ji's life when they were young boys when they were in kashipur garden swami ji was feeling that tremendous energy is building up within him young boy still immature wanted to test so what did he do on one night shivaratri night an auspicious night when swami ji was doing puja shivaratri puja they had all decided that they will perform shivaratri and keep vigil and fast he asked swami abhidananda to touch him young kali so narendra asked him to touch and he just touched for a few seconds or maybe a minute that's it and he said that's enough how did you feel young boy doesn't know this consequence of what he's doing and he said yeah i feel as if an electric shock has entered to me and he was very proud something has happened to me but the next morning he got good from shri ramakrishna and he said what have you done you have literally injected your ideas into him he was growing in his own line and you put your ideas into him and you know he says it's just like a six months pregnancy being aborted or something like that such a drastic uh, consequence he had but children young boys didn't know of course there was shri ramakrishna to help him and uh, this is entirely different i'm not telling you this is what happens when we go and adapt somebody's ideas we are not fit for it neither we progress in our path nor we understand something else horrible might happen to us so we need to discover our own path this is what 
Swamiji's meaning by it. And in ancient India, everyone was encouraged to find his own path. As a result, you know, we in Hinduism, there's no centralized church. Everyone was free and there was no indoctrination of to follow any particular sect. You're free. Lot of freedom to grow spiritually because spirituality means freedom. You are you need your God seeking something which is infinite. So infinite freedom has to be given when it comes to spiritual life. So a simple prayer was given for the awakening of the Dhi, which is the intuitive faculty in every one of us. And through intense intensity of this prayer, when the Dhi was awakened, the intuitive power was awakened, it revealed the path to the aspirant and the aspirant could go headlong without any fear. So that is how the Hinduism slowly started building up. In his introduction to Bhagavad Gita, Shankaracharya says, Vividohi Vedukta Dharmaha, Prabhrakti Lakshano, Nibhrakti Lakshanascha, Jagata Stiti Karana, Praninam Sakshat, Abhyudaya Nishreyasa Hetu. Twofold, verily is the Dharma as taught by the Vedas. One, characterized by Pravritti, outgoing action, and the other, characterized by Nivritti, the inward directed action. Both together, constituting the stabilizing factor of the world and the true cause of the Abhyudaya, that is worldly welfare, and Nishreyasa, the spiritual freedom of all beings. People were free to choose either of the paths, either modes of life, rather. Dharma means a mode of life. All we, but our lawgivers showed the superiority of Manu says, Pravriti is natural to human beings, but Nivriti produces great results. The popular notion that Pravriti means always doing work, Nivriti means sitting like a log of wood. No, that's entirely wrong. Karma work is of two types. Bhogatmaka, enjoyment-oriented, Tyagatmaka. That is detachment. One, of, one is of the nature of detachment. One is of the nature of attachment. So any work done for one's own sake, for the enjoyment, okay, I want to enjoy my life. So get study, earn, marry, settle a family, enjoy. This is pravritti. There's nothing wrong. Nobody is saying that it is wrong. But it is not a spiritual life. That's all we need to. It isn't, it's, it's not wrong. Sri Krishna never says that it is wrong. But that's a, that's a, it comes falls into a different mode of life. And at the same time, the other thing being Nivriti, Tyagatmaka work, 
work done for one's own spiritual progress because spiritual progress if even if you do it for yourself ultimately it will benefit the society if someone realizes their true nature what happens he might say what happened he, he might have what to no it has its impact all who come to his or her influence will be benefited so a spiritual aspirant hall always has something to contribute so whatever karma the spiritual aspirant does ultimately it is always of nivritti nature and anything for loka sangraha for the good of the world for the good of the community whatever we do thinking the good of people that is also nivritti karma tyagatmaka karma as such all of us spiritual practices such as prayer worship meditation self analysis self inquiry work done for the good of others all fall into the category of nivritti dharma nivritti marga and this nivritti marga is not exclusively meant for the monks and nuns no anyone who does has a goal of higher values who seeking higher values has spiritual goal and at the same time may not be able to formally renounce the world they all fall into the category of nivritti dharma all of us here in one way or other we are we fall into nivritti category if we had fallen into bhogatmaka today we would have been on the beach side say wonderful day no why few of us have come to listen to the day after day the same thing because we intend to follow the path of nivritti dharma and supposing i practice japa and prayer and worship and do all that for some personal benefit may or even people undertake big big pujas i have seen in tirupati and all they say there is something that is called as nitya kalyana every day marriage for god why because the daughter has not got married or the son has not married so they have such things such worships are given thousands of rupees lakhs of rupees are spent performing why it's a it's it's a religious they go to tirupati all the way it, it, it's uh, shankaracharya has said there is such a powerful spiritual vibrations there but what's the idea going behind it something material so we cannot call that a spiritual aspect or it's a nivritti karma tyagatmaka no such things are the children when somebody falls sick we give they give special pujas and the children are studying hsc comes there's nothing wrong but what i say is do not categorize it to as for spiritual life it's something different that we need to understand sometimes we we just don't understand oh we we are going to temple it's a wonderful thing i'll take a new car and go get it uh worshiped because there should be no accident but it's a good but you cannot call it a spiritual thing so these are the very fine differences are there which we over that time we just ignore we put categorize everything that is what is and the difference between the two dharmas the pravritti dharma and the nivritti dharma it's all about the question of aim and ideal sort so we need to judge ourselves 
when we do something, when we claim something, we are doing spiritual. So it's motive, what we are expecting from it. So we are not going to deal with Abhyudaya and Pravriti Dharma. We are dealing, trying to explore Nivriti Dharma, which is what is meant by spiritual life. These two dharmas, this Pravriti Dharma, sorry, the Pravriti Dharma, depending upon the soul's orientation to reality, is again divided into two highways. I first dealt with two margas, two modes of life. And now it is two highways or two margas. What are they? Jnana marga and Bhakti marga. You all of you know it. And there was a peculiar weird type of marga, this Puromimamsakas like Kaumarila Bhatta and the other Philosophers wanted to bring it. That is karma marga. Mind you, it's not karma yoga. I'm saying karma marga, a path of karma. But all our great philosophers stood against it, fought, and they nipped the idea in the bud itself so that it never raised and it just vanished from India. I'm not going to discuss about it. We don't need to have all that but because no meaning in confusing you. So all the disciplines, a human being, can undertake falls within these two categories, Jnana Marga or Bhakti Marga. And these two ways are based on certain fundamental difference in the soul's orientation to reality. So we need to understand what's our way, our orientation to, to reality is. There are certain differences which I will enumerate it. The ultimate reality is regarded as impersonal in Jnana Marga or in the path of knowledge. And in the path of devotion, it's regarded as personal. It might be with or without form. There are uh, few um, like Brahma Samaj, even Islam falls into it. They are Sagun, Saguna Brahma worshippers without Akar. There is no form. Allah is compassionate. But he doesn't have a form. The Brahman of uh, the Brahmo Samaj is very compassionate, very loving, but he doesn't have a heart, he doesn't have a form. So this is this is an idea. The Upanishads do have such a place for this type of upasanas also. So this is if you are a devotee, that doesn't mean to say you need to have a form, even formless with attributes. It's also there. And then the Path of knowledge is subject-oriented. It's essentially an inquiry into the nature of one's true self as a subject. And in knowledge, in the path of knowledge, it is object-oriented. It is an attempt to establish a relationship with God, which being our highest object. The main effort in the Bhakti Marga are the path of devotion is to establish a relationship. It's a relationship between soul and God, a personal, person-to-person -person relationship as it may be called as I-Thou relationship. And it's a participation in the Leela of God. When the devotee 
when the devotee's relationship is established, he has a different concept of the world and about himself and everything and he undertakes becomes an act of participation. It's a very great idea until and unless we put it into practice in every day of life, we will never, it doesn't come all of a sudden one day. Every day, one small step we take and we establish our relationship with the personal God and then we participate in his play, Leela. <coughs> Sorry, we have in uh, Sri Ramakrishna's songs, we sing. Even during the birthday time, we sing this. Amare yo nao tumar lilai bhaire gadhai dhori di chupai. Oh, brother, I'm, just imagine me as a small boy playing with Gadadhar in the mango grove in Kamarpukur. And I say, Oh, Gadadhar, please take me also in your play. So, this is the attitude. We, we beg God to accept us as a playmate. So that's the relationship this bhakta, the devotee tries to cultivate and establish. That is his path and that is his goal. On the contrary, in the path of knowledge, it is not actually a relationship. It's not I thou, I that. Like the Mahavakyas say, it's finding, trying to identify or be aware of one's identity with the reality. And it's always another big difference is in the path of knowledge, self-effort is stressed. Whereas in the bhakti path, the path of devotion, attempt is, effort is made to open up, open our hearts and minds to the grace which will bring all the needed transformation. And the method of approach in Jnana Marga is essentially of negation. Not this, not this. You must be used to this word, neti neti. Not this, not this. What the sadhaka does is he constantly starts analyzing or Enquiring into the true nature, he negates all it. This is not the self, this is not the self. And then finally comes to that which is the true self within me. That's the approach. Whereas in the path of devotion, it is iti, iti. This, this, Sri Ramakrishna says, this, this. And what actually happens is that Bhakta meditates on certain attributes of God, which are like anything the, you know, in our ordinary life experience, we feel it. And slowly, when he, when it, the relationship deep, deepens with the light of the God, these attributes become divinized. It's, it becomes evolved. It no more remains physical or anything. These two highways, that is Jnana and the Bhakti Margas, point out to a direction where lies our goal. It's pointing out towards the direction where our for that we need to have a particular practice to which through which we can go. And in Vedanta, this is called as yoga. 
the term very particularly used in vedanta is means is union it means union says swamiji the ultimate goal of all mankind is but one that is the renew reunion with god or with the divinity which is every man's true nature while the aim is one the method to attain may vary with different temperaments of man men the goal and the method employed for reaching it are called yoga the goal and the method which we employ is yoga and he says he has broadly defined it i mean classified it into four karma yoga the manner in which man realizes his own divinity through work bhakti yoga realization through devotion to or love of personal god raja yoga realization of divinity through control of mind gnana yoga realization of man's own divinity through knowledge every one of this yoga will lead ultimately to the same center called god since the problem of human life our human limitation its bondage and suffering is due to ego so each yoga is maybe looked upon as a means to transcend the ego as such karma yoga is done through self sacrifice that's the real world whether we like it or not swami ji says hold your life as a sacrifice so we might not like it and we say selflessness okay that's okay doesn't matter but that's the word swami ji uses through self sacrifice constantly sacrificing what the ego the lower self in raja yoga it is done through self control in bhakti yoga it is done through self surrender and in gnana yoga it is done through self analysis before going further i would like to uh, state some of the views of the traditional teachers well i this might not help you in any way but why i am trying to talk about it is we will understand how fortunate we are that we are born in this present age and swami ji has done so much what swami ji has done for us we will understand through this so just a bit i'm giving a just an uh over uh, the thing see uh, according to the traditional teachers the traditional teachers never took raja yoga as a main path they always considered karma gyan and bhakti are the three path raja yoga was beyond was outside vedanta though its basic principles were um taken with uh, integrated in the vedantic practices but it was always outside vedanta this is the first difference the second is the the traditional path which i said gyan two paths the path of knowledge and the path of devotion though the traditional teachers accepted karma yoga as a path but they never did it uh, accept it as an independent path rather they practiced this in a sequence for example if i am a gnana I mean, follower of a gnana marga 
So first I need to practice karma yoga for the purification of the mind. Then take up upasana. That is Saguna Brahma upasana, which is meditation plus devotion for the concentration of mind. To practice the concentration of mind. So just imagine then where bhakti stands. Bhakti is a means for concentration when it comes to a jnana yogi. And then take up the main course for which I have enrolled. That is self-analysis, discrimination, jnana yoga path. So this is how the sequence is. And if it is, if you are a follower of bhakti path, path of devotion, start with karma yoga. Karma yoga is only for the purification of the mind. Nothing. How less the impurity called ego is within me. Because you, ego is the only impurity, ultimately it is called. It is the one at the root cause of all uh, things. So how much less ego I have practiced, I have attained. So that's the proof of Karma Yoga. So they always ask us to practice Karma Yoga in either path. And then the uh, path of devotion people follow Jnana Yoga with Meditation. See, Jnana Yoga with meditation. It is to realize one's true nature as Atman. Because if you have to follow the Bhakti, Bhakti, you cannot just do Bhakti. Bhakti is establishing relationship, I told you. The relationship cannot be. in To have any relationship, some sort of equality should be there. Some sort of, I must have at least in a rudimentary form, some quality of the divine to which I am approach. If not, always I will have. You see, in Semitic religion, so much they harp on this sin. Why? Because they never take up this. They never approach God or never think that I might have the same qualities which are in the divine. So, but in Vedanta, every time you can never up and down. It can't be. Some sort of, even in the Dasya Bhava also, if you are practicing a servant attitude, this is not the seventh attitude of a normal world. There is so much of aristocracy in it. You cannot say the people, the um, royals and the people who work for them are not the same. But when it comes to spirituality, spiritual aristocracy is something different. So you need to have some element of what you are seeking, at least in a rudimentary form, it should be within me. So that can come only when I have a an idea of my true nature of myself. That is why even the Bhakti Yoga, they ask us to practice some elements of Jnani Marga. So this is the sequence that the ancient teachers made it. And then even though they followed certain sequence, Shankara will say, no, the ultimate Knowledge can be, I mean, truth can be acquired only through Jnana Nishtha, through the path of knowledge. And Ramanuja will say, nothing doing. Only through the path of bhakti you will attain. So you see how rigid, how narrow they are. But, and even another thing also, their definition about, Shankara's definition of bhakti is not same as Ramanuja. I don't want to go on elaborating this will be simply unnecessarily confusing you. But anyway, in the modern times, Swami Vivekananda has considerably expanded the meaning 
and the scope of the word yoga. He being an acharya of a highest rank, an authority. So he made significant changes. The first is he added Raja Yoga by combining Tantra and Patanjali's yoga together. And, and along with the three traditionally accepted marga, he made Raja Yoga is also a marga. That's why we say four yogas, isn't it? And he held that each yoga is independent and equally valid, equally valid path as far as it takes you to the ultimate goal. And according to him, even Karma Yoga can lead to the highest realization. And he felt for the modern man, it wouldn't do to be so rigid. He needs to combine all this yoga. The combination of all this yoga is the perfect way for the modern man. So he always made synthesis of yoga. Samuchaya, what we call in Sanskrit. Synthesis of yoga, he prescribed for the modern man. This is the technique and show that different yogas are not mutually contradictory as far as they lead to the same goal by interpreting the meaning of jnana and bhakti. And he, has, he established the harmony, his doctrine of harmony and synthesis. Samanvaya, samuchaya. Samanvaya is harmony. Samuchaya is synthesis. Harmony of path and synthesis of yoga. And of course, we all know he interpreted every yoga in the light of modern science. He gave a very scientific definition and approach to this yogas. So these are all the contributions Swamiji made. And hence, every person, every wherever he, they are, at all times, they can practice one or the other of the yogas. Only thing is, if their aim is spiritual goal. And as mentioned before, each person has his own yoga. All this, everything is on the table now. So from the two margas, that is, the Pravriti Marga, the Nivriti Marga, and then you have the two parts, Jnana Marga and the Karma, I mean, and Bhakti Marga and the four yogas. The whole, the end, this four is the entire bulk of spiritual practices in Vedanta. They're so broad and so flexible that anyone at any time, at any part of the world can put them into practice. So flexible they are. So as, as I told you that the problem, um, the spiritual practices lie within us. So these things are there on the table. We need to see which suits us. Sri Ramakrishna says, the mother cooks according to the capacity of digestion. A, a child with a weak stomach cannot enjoy pulao and other fried things. So she needs to feed him with soup and boiled vegetables. So everything is taste and capacity. Too. So our capacity and our taste. See how much 
now we have all this, this advertisements so many things you can go and buy your sizes you are um, according to your taste you can buy all the things but here look in religion how much what a wide choice the vedanta is giving anything you can take from it and see which agrees with you and try to explore in that way and go towards it and we also said that the main problem with our thing is to the ego is the main problem because of this and in order to the so the fundamental problem in our spiritual life is this path though we have all seen read and understood when we try to implement it only then we can transcend the ego as i told you the how to transcend the ego the different schemes are given and the problem ultimately is the transcendence of ego how to transcend our present circumstance consciousness that's the main problem shri ramakrishna in his gospel was talking to a group of devotees among them was ishan mukhopadhyay he was performing a big um he was taking up a big spiritual practice called as puraschana it's it is a systematic way of doing japa if i do it today a thousand tomorrow i have to do 2000 if i tomorrow 2000 next is 4000 4000 next is 8000 8 to 16000 it goes like that and then again it comes so it's a big thing on gayatri he was doing so shri ramakrishna many times he told him one thing he said why do, why do you take up this gayatri why don't you go take up the tantric way of doing in the kali yuga in this present age vedic religions vedic rituals don't work and then he said look whatever you do it should be always in secret don't make a publicity of it he wanted to have, build a hut or a thatched house near the ganges and build so everybody will come to know ishan mukhopadhyay is practicing purusharanada you see such type of advertising is not good in spiritual life it is it's not the way so shri ramakrishna was not very happy with him anyway in the course of thing he says look why do people don't make any considerable progress in spiritual life with all this he asked if in others case some it would have created a big havoc a big change but then nothing poor ishan was just like us year after year we are practicing spiritual life nothing considerable progress see when i am telling this please don't think that i am directing to you i am rather thinking loudly it's for me essentially and then if in any way it helps you that's fine so why don't we make any considerable progress in our spiritual life the many factors are there one of the factors we deal is the moment when we start spiritual spiritual life or we think of immediately what we do is we close our eyes and try to sit and start meditation as if meditation is the only path there's no other way and i've seen before 3 minutes they're off to sleep now i'm not telling anything against 
I'm not discouraging or I'm not uh, uh, telling in any bad manner, whatever it is. But thing is, meditation is a very high technique. It's a high spiritual state, which can be practiced by rather advanced spiritual aspirants. Not for a pravartaka who has just begun. No, not at all. Buddha gave meditation seventh or eight, I don't remember. What's the right, right, right? He goes on telling uh, that um, eight uh, paths. And that meditation comes quite la later. And Patanjali gives the seventh place. So that means to say it's quite an advanced state. So an aspirant beginning spiritual life starts meditating. His mind will go into tamas. Instead, how can we make our spiritual life? Because they have taken up this higher uh, path or higher techniques. They don't, it becomes very unreal. Doesn't make bring out any considerable change in their in their consciousness. So in order that spiritual practices bring some change in us, they should have certain. They should have some some. They should satisfy some sort of conditions. And what are they? One is simplicity. The technique should be simple. Second, intensity. It should be intense and constancy. The simplicity, intensity, and constancy. These are the three factors which will bring some change in us if we practice the proper spiritual techniques. Simplicity. Why go for big meditation, vipassana? I'm not telling that something that's wrong. I'm just for a pravartaka, for a Ordinary person like me and you, a simple technique is more than enough. A prayer. When the impurities of the mind, my helplessness is hanging on my shoulder, I cannot boast of I am Brahman. No. Constantly my limitations are showing. No, you are not. You are not. So, so trusting, relying on the strength of God is an easy way. Supposing I go intensely pray and forth all my agony at the feet of God, I feel strength. Yes, I have told this to God. God will give me the strength. See, it brings strength. It will unconsciously enter into me and it will help me in avoiding the mistakes what I do again and again. So you get spiritual strength. We might not trust our own strength. We certainly have faith in the strength of God. So we be strong in his strength. So simple techniques as prayer, worship, it doesn't have to be an external worship, internally. Worship literally in, in means cultivating a relationship with God. If you want to have adore God, practice a, trying to be with God. Simple uh, reflections, Analysis, serving this holy people, satsanga, singing bhajans, all this will bring us constantly to the memory of God. Smarana, Swami Brahmananda, the person of his caliber, he says to young monk, every day try to remember God. 
smaran manan karo he is saying in bengali smaran manan karo always try to remember and think of god that's what even i do so the disciple may think what is he telling instead of asking me to practice samadhi he is asking me to do recollection so he is telling even i do the same thing so that the disciple will know oh this is a technique even my master is doing that means the technique is a bit of digression i am doing if not you will fall asleep in shri ramakrishna's gospel you will hear you know in certain place a big um, feast was given to the whole village so big people have come babus have come ordinary people have come and farmers have come everyone have come so the food was served of course hierarchy is that the babus have finished and gone then the when the food was served for the farmers they were asked would you like to have the hop plum chutney amra chutney they say you know in bengali hop plum i be hog plum chutney would you like to have then the farmer said if the babus have eaten then you can serve us that means the babus big aristocratic people they have eaten that means it was something good very nice so you can serve us so that means then the great incarnations like chaitanya mahaprabhu and the others they gave the name of god they gave importance to devotional chantings name chanting the name of god remember it so that means that should be good for us also if a person like chaitanya mahaprabhu can practice who are we so we can trust them and adapt these simple uh, spiritual disciplines for us until we get strength until we learn to stand on our own strength so that simplicity of the spiritual practice is an essential thing the next is intensity so when our heart accepts a simple technique and we are happy with it and intensity will slowly come in that means the whole personality has to accept it not partial if you if it some some ideal or some practice it is not up to my interest i will not give invest the whole of my energy in it so for total dedication of the to the idea that it should be intense and for intensity it should be simple so intensity simplicity and intensity server and then constant constancy so when the spiritual practice what we have been practicing is simple and our whole being has accepted it there is no need at all no one has to keep on pushing us do we do do the part do do this do this do no one we ourselves ourselves will do it you know we remember things we contemplate what we like what that which we like always we think of it's natural so if this simple path is accepted by you wholeheartedly then you will invest all the energies in it and it will become constant and this much for it and there is a little bit to a half time oh just in a few sentences i'll tell you the apart from this there is something called as auxiliary disciplines which we tend to forget see even um, and these auxiliary disciplines vary from traditions to traditions for example in shankara we have got sadhan chatushtaya the four disciplines 
you have to follow in order to practice up the gnana yoga and patanjali has his own yamaniyama you have to follow until and unless yamaniyama has been followed nothing can be done such sort of things are there in each traditions so when all these traditions are analyzed three things stand up three factors are there that is aspiration detachment and discernment these are the three things which stand out and these are the basic disciplines for anyone in any path these three things are these three things are there we half the path we have finished and these things are based on certain mental makeup or certain factors in us that is feeling willing and reason these are the faculties in us so through aspiration aspiration is the motive power in our spiritual life it gives it pushes us when the feelings are when these three faculties are purified and intensified they become powerful they just go deep and deep within us and they'll bring the needed transformation and apart from this there's two more disciplines that is the service to guru and service to holy people or holy company service to guru and holy company those who have rendered service to guru do understand how much the guru has worked on you it is only when we come in contact with our teacher and dedicate all our rough edges will be smoothened our egos will be made to bend and then everything becomes smooth in our spiritual life and holy company is there always to put us on the right path these are the auxiliary disciplines which fall into spiritual practice thank you